The Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone, Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone. That's the theme song for my podcast, The Zaddy Zone. Today, I have my personal doctor on, Dr. Ryan Green. How are you, Dr. Ryan Green? I'm good, buddy. How are you? How is it that you are so handsome? Like, is that anything to do with anything (laughs) like doctoral? (laughs) No. Okay. I have to thank my parents, I guess. Yeah, Um, they are super hot. And my barber. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were to challenge me and ask me, what's one supplement I should take? Don't get me to take a whole bunch of things. I just want one. I would tell you AG1. Why? Because it is a whole food multivitamin. And when you drink it first thing in the morning, by 8 a.m., you've got all of your vitamin needs for the day, minus vitamin D. We'll get to that. It is, AG1 is as cheap as chips. It's cheaper than chips. Chips are five bucks, right? For one big packet of Doritos or whatever. Can you believe that? Doritos, five bucks? I don't want to talk about it. $3 a day for AG1. But here's the thing. You know the vitamin D thing that I mentioned before? There's no vitamin D in it. But if you sign up using my link, you'll get a free year of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash zaddy to take ownership over your health. I gave in to peer pressure when I got it first time because I told you Professor Andrew Huberman, David Sinclair, Max Lugavier all used it. I was like, yeah, they're smarter than me. I'm going to get it. And I haven't regretted it, and I don't think you will either. So check it out. Let me introduce you. I'm going to I'm going to hit you with some questions. Dr. Ryan Green, my personal doctor. He is an osteopathic physician specializing in human performance, sports medicine, nutrition and the most cutting-edge recovery methods available. Dr. Green serves as principal medical advisor at Monarch Athletic Club in West Hollywood, the first private sustainable health and wellness facility delivering traditional training services combined with physician-directed evidence-based integrative medical intervention. I don't know what that means, but I like it. How are you doing today? <laughs> Do my best. So, so tell me about the average day for you, uh, as as a as a doctor. When do you when do you wake? What do you eat? When do you work out? How does it all work? Yeah. So I try to practice what I preach. The one one that the one area I'm struggling with right now is uh, sleep because I do have a startup and that requires a lot of time, effort, and attention. So my day starts at five thirty. Then I usually make a liter of water with sea salt, apple cider vinegar, MCT oil. And I live in Santa Monica, which is beautiful and I'm grateful. So I get to go outside and just stand on the grass, get grounded as the sun's rising. Um, So I get to see the sun come up, the moon go down, birds are chirping. And I also get to just kind of smugly look around and be like, I'm up before everyone else. (laughs) Thus, my day will be more successful. I'm just kidding. Um, And then I... (laughs) I look down on everyone that's still sleeping. Yeah, that would uh, no, be me I, looking uh, down at me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I go, I usually train around 6 a.m. or 6.30 because I like to get my day started, one, with hydration and then two, with movement. From there, I try to get into the facility around 7.45 so I can get ready to start seeing patients and then doing whatever I need to do from the, uh, the Monarch side around uh, 8 a.m. And then my day usually finishes around 9 p.m. And I usually get home uh, around 9.30. At that point, I uh, take a cold shower, try to wind down, read, 
and then get to bed. So I try to get to bed by 1030 so I can get seven hours. But recently, I haven't been doing so well. Most of my day, like I said, is Monarch stuff. Uh, I'm also the medical director for Reset by Therabody, which is a new retail medicine concept that includes all of their recovery modalities in addition to cryo, hyperbaric, and we're doing IVs, uh, intramuscular injections. And it, it works well with what we're doing with Monarch. We have a, a strategic partnership there, but that just makes my days a little bit more chaotic just because there's all sorts of things going on. Uh, but I really do try to emphasize my sleep, hydration, movement, making sure I'm moving every day. And sometimes if I can, I'll usually get like some cardio in later in the evening just to get some fresh blood flow for my brain. Uh, and then from a nutrition perspective, man, I am like as regimented as you come. I get a smoothie. My fr- I try to intermittent fast like 14 hours. Mm-hmm. So usually my last meal is around 8 o'clock at night. So my first meal is usually around 10 o'clock the next day. Because uh, I just found like I'm six, three and three quarters. I'm going to say six, four. And I weigh 220 pounds. So, like I'm, I'm a bigger gentleman. I need a lot of calories. And so I just found like a 16 hour fasting window is just too, too long for me to fit all that stuff in comfortably in terms of high quality, more plant-based food. Uh, Cause that's just kind of where I sit. Mm-hmm. So I do a smoothie at 10 AM. I usually uh, eat lunch around one or two o'clock couple spoonfuls of peanut butter, almond butter, a snack, maybe another smoothie late afternoon. And I usually eat then around, uh, you know, eight o'clock and then try to give myself at least two hours between my last meal and when I go to bed. And as crazy as that sounds, that's pretty much every single day. Like my life's boring uh, and I love it that way. And like, and that's, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I tell patients is like, you want your body to work well. It's a machine. You, you have to do the same stuff over and over, repeat, repeat, repeat. Uh, it's not necessarily that Every meal has to be the same or every day has to to include all the same stuff. But there's some fundamental components that you really need to stick to. So if I can't do it and I can't practice it, sure as hell, uh, you know, other people can't can't do it. Yeah. What's in that smoothie that you have at around 10 or 1030? Yeah. So I do uh, half a banana, unsweet acai, almond butter, cinnamon, cacao, spinach, blueberries and that's about it oh and a vegan protein powder. what do you like about cinnamon what's what's the what's the go with cinnamon uh anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. um it improves insulin sensitivity so uh just from blood sugar control i think it's a one of the more beneficial natural quote-unquote supplements and it tastes good so i enjoy it yeah cool i want to ask you as well first thing in the morning you said a big old liter of water salt, uh, apple cider vinegar and MCT. Why MCT? I think healthy fats, at least. So if I'm going to work out in the morning, I try not to eat just because based on my physiology doesn't work well. I think being hydrated for me is more important. I think for a lot of people, you know, just being hydrated should be the most important thing that they do the second they get up. Um, but I do train pretty hard in the morning and I, uh, I like to have some fuel in my body. So those healthy fats give me a little bit of energy. And it's also great in terms of brain health, heart health, you know, healthy cholesterol levels is that brain octane is what I use bulletproof. Yep. So Love that uh, for me, that, yeah, that seems to, to get me through pretty hard training. And like, I'm training two to three times as intense as you, you ever have. So like, I need a little bit more than, than wait, are you taking time. a swipe at me? Uh, you're my doctor. I trust you. If you're being, what? If you're being, I, if you're being mean to me at this point, like it's hard to, 
You're supposed to take care wow. of me and nurture me, not be mean to me. Playful banter, iron sharpens iron. True. I really appreciate that. Let's uh, let's talk about, you're an osteopathic physician. What is osteopathy? Sure. So osteopathy is a field of medicine that was developed about 270 years ago uh, by a gentleman who was a allopathic physician or an MD. I just felt that the field was uh, not addressing the body and health uh, in a way that he felt was going to be most effective. And a lot of it was treating symptoms and superficial components of, of illness versus getting to the root cause. So the field of osteopathy has a few foundational tenets. Some are similar with the allopathic or MD side and a couple others, you know, a little bit more focused on the body is, is a unit. Everything is interconnected blood, the artery is the, the river of life. So if you're not getting good blood flow to tissue, you're not going to have good health. So what can we do to optimize blood flow to all of our tissue and organs? And that's where some of the osteopathic traditional practitioners are doing, you know, manipulation, soft tissue work, they're working with their hands. So I think in Europe and Australia, osteopaths kind of look more like chiropractors or physiotherapists, mm -hmm. uh, but they also have the, the traditional medical training. In the U.S., just based on our system, the two fields have basically merged. So an osteopathic physician in the U.S. takes 200 extra credit hours in terms of uh, manipulative therapy, like understanding how to treat the body with your hands, similar licensure to what a physical therapist can do, as well as a chiropractor. So when I was choosing the path I wanted to go, being able to treat someone with my hands legally seemed like something that would be a, a reasonable tool once I was practicing. Truth of the matter is, like once I went through residency and fellowship, uh, because I went to Dartmouth and then Mayo Clinic, which are traditionally allopathic or MD facilities, I didn't really get to use those skills too often. So they have, for the most part, fallen by the wayside. But most osteopaths, I think, in, in my opinion, have a little bit more of a holistic approach, uh, trying to allow the body to heal itself. And, you know, it's no... I'm not casting dispersions on my MD colleagues. They're brilliant and super smart. And like I said, at the end of the day, both of our fields in the U.S. at least have, have pretty much merged. But traditionally, that was the difference, which was a little bit more of holistic treat with your hands kind of approach and allow the body to heal itself, which is a lot of what I introduce into my practice today, allowing your, your machine to function optimally because we create the conditions in the environment for it to do so versus trying to force it to constantly accommodate and recalibrate based on what we're putting in, what we're doing, what we're exposing ourselves to. But how do we create a, a world in which we, our body can do whatever we want, whenever we want it to do it, because we're treating it well and we're creating a, an ecosystem in, in which it can flourish. Yeah. So it sounds like osteopathy is like, as you said, holistic, but it kind of treats the whole body instead of treating just symptoms, which is when you go to a GP, they're just like, what's your symptoms? How do we treat those? Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, it's in, in the American system right now and your blood pressure is elevated. The common practice, no matter who you go to, truly is, well, here's a medication that can lower your blood pressure. Theoretically, osteopaths should approach it was why is your blood pressure high? Your blood pressure doesn't just go up. Like that's not how the body works. Like there has to be a, a cause. Mm -hmm. Is it hydration? Is it stress? Is it lack of sleep, lack of exercise, whatever? So like theoretically, we think about things in terms of like, okay, the fruit on the tree looks rotten. Is it a branch problem or is it a root problem? So hopefully you can dive deeper into the root cause versus just like making you know, the, whatever the branches look prettier. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So 
because because you know yeah. you know I mean you're my doctor so I know that you're incredible when it comes to nutrition yeah. how to make sure that I'm um, yeah. working at my best the average person who's going to a GP will they know about how to feed them feed the the ideal diet for an individual do, do GPS understand diet they will if they do self-study and investigate it on their own right but if you're banking on what is being taught in traditional medical schools, whether it's MD or DO. I believe the last figure I saw is any, less than like 3%, 3 to 6% of the entirety of med school curriculum has to do with nutrition of any kind. So like it is a very, very small portion and the quality of the nutritional um, education is not as in-depth as it would need to be for someone to, to truly be a, um, an expert source in the field. So I would not take a lot of advice from any physician unless they have a special certification, a master's degree, some, some advanced education in, in nutrition. Yeah. And how do we, how do I, how do you find out if your doctor has that? Uh, I mean, hopefully if you should be able to ask, like if they're giving you nutritional advice, like you should be able to ask, like, do you have, you know, a master's in nutrition? Have you done any courses in terms of functional nutrition uh, precision nutrition, anything like that? Or are you just giving me what you think is best based on, you know, whatever your practice, your, your minimal education? Um, a lot of them, I think now refer out to nutritionists because they have acknowledged that they don't have necessarily the, the foundational understanding. Um, and it's better for them to offer that service than to try and take the time truthfully to, have an in-depth discussion on nutrition. Yeah, got it. What do you drink? Oh, good. I, th- I thought you were drinking Mountain Dew for a second. I was going to cut this off. No, 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 and no. Yeah, Mountain Valley. That's great. So good. I'm a sparkling. Yeah, I could see you as a flat. I could see you as a flat water. Uh, absolutely not. Just like absolutely not. Thank you very much. My water boring. game is pristine. I get water from Alive Water. Uh, this is just a free shout out for them. They they, they get there from a fresh <laughs> spring in Oregon untouched by agriculture shipped to me down here in LA. And then I, and then I sparkle it myself with one of those things. What are those things called? The spritzes, the, the spritzes. I spritz it myself. Soda stream. Soda stream. I self spritz. How dare you? I have someone do it. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I just see you as a flat water. I I don't get that. They have a specific I'm I'm as bubbly as you could possibly be. I don't get why you would assume that of me. Anyway, Moving on. You've hurt my I feelings. Learned, I, learned, I learned something every day. <laughs> Moving on. Listen, um, Monarch is a beautiful gym that I go to uh, every once in a while. Great. And it's got absolutely everything. It's got, you know, uh, PTs, trainers, physios. There's a recovery station. They have you there. Not many gyms have a doctor. But sometimes when I come into Monarch, yeah. I see you leading a meeting with all the trainers. What are you usually talking about in those meetings? One of the beauties of our of our system is it's a multidisciplinary team. So physicians, physical therapists, strength and conditioning specialists, all communicating and coordinating to make sure that every member's program is up to date and is also taking into account anything that we've, we've noticed from the medical physical therapy or strength and conditioning side to make sure that people can remain consistent as well as making progress. Mm -hmm. So every week we have a two hour meeting where we're running through every new member for sure, as well as almost all of our, our existing members to just make sure their programs are on point and then also have a, a team-based discussion, getting people's input 
that, uh, that have different skill sets in terms of what are they seeing? Like, because I don't see everyone every day. It's impossible, but the training team does because that's what people associate with health is exercise. So they're coming in, they're training. So they may see something that I don't, or the physical therapy team sees something the trainers don't. So we want to have that free flowing communication so we can intervene if we see any problem arising in almost real time, which is definitely unique because if you're a, if you have a gym membership, again, most places don't have physical therapists, let alone physicians. If something comes up, you have to go to a physical therapy space. They're not going to communicate with your training team. And then your physician, whoever it is, who's referring you to, you know, physical therapy, whatever, they basically just do it and then hope they're going to see you again in eight to 12 weeks. And like, there's no way that they can follow up. Yeah. So our system is one-stop shop. Everything's integrated. Every team member can follow along with an individual's progress, but also we have the ability to get together at least once a week to make sure that we can stay on top of our membership and our memberships limited because we know like if you've read the book sapiens like this idea of a communities that are that are successful tend to be smaller like around like 200 members and that's historical like that's that's anthropology yep. so we wanted to keep our our communities tighter so that no one falls through the cracks and everyone feels supported and you can can truly gain value from not only the membership but also the community that you're with uh, so from the medical standpoint for everyone who's listening with a medical background, we kind of do what's called like a grand rounds where it's basically you're getting all these different fields of medical professionals in the same space so they can have an educated discussion on a topic. We just do that every week and the topic happens to be our members. So that's what we do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. At least once a week. I mean, I don't do that at LA Fitness as far as I know. I've never had, I've never seen them talking about me or anything like that or any of the new members. No. No. No, it's, it's, it's like, I'm all about exercise. Like I go to training me where that's where I met you. I'm an avid Barry's boot camp enthusiast. Like I love exercise. But what I've seen from the professional side is people exercising is good, but it's not going to get you to where you want to go. Like you have to take care of your nutrition. You have to take care of sleep, hydration. And then the medical aspect too is like if you don't know what your body's telling you and you're not able to correct any imbalance, hormone, inflammation or otherwise – what, pe- what happens is people just get frustrated because they're like, that exercise program didn't work for me or that nutrition program didn't work for me. We're like, well, like you've also been on birth control for 20 years and your hormones are all out of balance. Like, have you ever thought about that as one of the reasons why you're not seeing the results? So we really wanted to bring those pieces together. Um, and I don't like, I don't care. Like do exercise however you want, as long as you're staying safe and not hurting yourself. Our approach just happens to be, we can do everything anyone else can do, but we also have the oversight of, physical therapists and physicians to make sure people are training appropriately, moving their bodies appropriately so they can continually progress with, with minimal interruption. Yeah. That's awesome. I recently got, um, I know at the gym there, you've got a sauna, uh, and a cold plunge. I recently got a cold plunge. Shout out to the cold plunge. Thanks for sending me that. It's absolutely delicious. I've loved using it. I know you're a big fan. Why do you think cold therapy is good for us? Multiple different reasons. So, Uh, interestingly, there's a book that I just completed. Y'all should read called dopamine nation by Anna Lemke. It's really, really good. And one of the things she talks about is, is cold therapy, which I'll get to in a second, but, um, cold therapy is, it's a stress. It's a stressor on the system. It forces our body to be resilient. It forces, uh, a brief expression of growth hormone and growth hormone can help us 
burn fat, repair tissue, sleep better. So doing cold actually towards the end of the day is probably going to help you sleep a little bit better because it's bringing down your core body temperature. Mm -hmm. It helps improve circulation because when you're doing the hot and cold, you're getting vasoconstriction, which is like your blood vessels tightening, which forces blood back to your core. That's an evolutionary response. That helps with filtration of your blood. And then when you get out of the cold, you get this fresh flow of you know, recently filtered blood to your tissue, which can help with repair. So there's a, there's a recovery benefit there. And then what I appreciated, and it makes total sense from this book is like getting in cold water is a, it's painful. Like no one, no one enjoys it. Like if you're, if you say you enjoy, you're lying. No one likes being that cold. What it does is it basically provides a painful stimulus that as long as you can expose yourself for a minute to three minutes in a session, once you get out, your brain basically floods itself with dopamine to give you like this pleasure response, which is euphoric. And so it's kind of like a, a way to trick your body into um, getting into a good mood. And it's just exposing yourself to this quote unquote painful stimulus, which is just a bucket of cold water. So, yeah, I think it's great for multiple reasons, recovery, inflammation, growth, hormone production, sleep, and then also mood. So. I, and if you think about it, like if you've ever jumped in a cold pool, I don't know of anyone who would get out and be like, I didn't feel great and was laughing after I got out of the cold pool. And same thing with the ocean. Like it's just like in the moment it sucks. But then when you get out, you're laughing. You're like, thank God I'm out. I feel great. Yeah, for sure. I, you were mentioning um, the book, Dopamine Nation. I, I I looked it up because last time I saw you and I gave and, and you took my blood, I, I looked it up after and found out that part of what she's talking about in this book is the idea that the increase of dopamine in the body can help with addiction. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a larger conversation, but um, it's kind of this appreciation that we need harmony. We need balance in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And when people get a hit of something that's extremely pleasurable, the way the body balances is it shifts neurochemistry to, uh, an environment and essentially where dopamine's lacking, which is pain, depression, uh, which then leads to addictive like behavior. So if you think about it, like a seesaw it just goes back and forth, but the extremes get larger and larger because the body's having a hard time regulating. And unfortunately for people with, with addiction, then you know, things don't, don't often end super well unless they get some, uh, some help. So that's kind of what she was, was mm -hmm. saying is that like these hits of dopamine, are then balanced out by, you know, periods of uh, sometimes less pleasant, depending on how big your dopamine hit is. So it's, it's somewhat complicated. You should read the book. Like I'm learning about it too, because, you know, I focused more of my health on sports medicine and, and the body and things like that. Um, so yeah, sure. I'm learning about it. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, um, so a couple of weeks ago I came and um, you took some blood I, uh, I want to go through those results now cool. and kind of have you talk um, about what's going on. Firstly, the most pertinent question, do I have gonorrhea? <laughs> Only uh, a normal amount. You have a normal amount. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. You have a healthy amount. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't spiking. Okay, that's good. Um, do you want me to show these that's things? Or? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up the results too. So you just want me to talk through it? I'm going to pull up the results too so that I have them right here. Um, yeah, uh, let, let's go through um, them. But at some point, I do want to ask. Do you want me you, to share my screen? Do you want me to share my screen or just like talk about it? 
I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, I can, anyone can see my levels of gonorrhea. It's fine. All right. Let's see if I can do this here. Yeah, I was really worried about my level of neutrophils. I like to talk about that. <laughs> what a nerd. Can you guys see this? Um, it's not, it's, yeah, it's just processing. Cool. So Got you can it. see if I it's scroll. Up. Cool, cool. So, um, yep. basically, what I like to do and what we like to do with Monarch is get a, a fairly robust panel so we can look at a bunch of different things. And I'll, I'll go through some of the boring stuff uh, pretty quickly, but. You know, whereas from a blood count perspective, you know, not a ton of information here, although there's a lot of lines. One of the things that we're just looking at is how's your immune system functioning, which is your white blood cell count. Not really concerned unless it's super high or super low, indicating you're either fighting acutely a bacteria, virus, fungus, or potentially um, uh, if you have lymphoma or leukemia, you may see a super high or super low level. Most people not anything to be concerned with, but every once in a while you see something. So we always check, uh, looking at hemoglobin levels, this is iron. So are you getting plenty of iron in your diet? I know what you eat. I see it on Instagram. So I know you're getting plenty of iron. Uh, but every once in a while, again, we have people coming in, uh, that are eating more plant-based. They're not eating a lot of animal protein. Sometimes their iron levels, uh, will drop a little bit and that can lead to low hemoglobin, which is, is just known as anemia. And uh, we just want to make sure that those things aren't present. Everything looks fine for you uh, from a blood count perspective. Neutrophil levels slightly low, which is probably just an inconsequential incidental finding. Nothing to be worried about because your white blood cell count actually looks fine. So I'm not super worried about that. Um, from a metabolic standpoint, the metabolic panel, again, commonly done, it's telling us about kidney function, mm -hmm. first kidney function, creatinine is uh, essentially a, a metabolic byproduct that we measure because it's tightly controlled by the kidneys. Long story short, if this number is elevated, one of two things is happening. Your, your kidney function is either uh, inadequate or you're probably dehydrated. Dehydration is one of the most common things that we see in terms of people that are just not physiologically performing well. And uh, it's easy to correct. And that's often uh, uh, witnessed by elevations in creatinine. And creatine and creatinine are two different things. I have to tell that to everyone. Um, so creatine is probably the best, most well-studied workout supplement that we have available. Creatinine is, again, a, a metabolic byproduct. So everyone should take creatine, five grams. Momentous is the best on the market. Oh, damn. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, you, I love... After you trained. Okay, got it. I usually take it before. Um, why, wait, wait. So we're not, we have to talk about this. Why do you take it so, after? Yeah. Uh, I mean, most of the data looks at people taking it after I've had some people take it before and they, they say that it helps them. Uh, it's kind of like a pre-workout. Mm. I don't really think it, it matters, but like in my brain, like if it's going to help with muscle protein synthesis, taking it like right after, or I could see the argument for before, uh, is helpful. I just, most of the data I've seen has people take it after they train. So, okay, um, got it. I don't know if, I don't know if there's one way or the other. So were you mentioning that creatinine of which it seems like I've got like 1.2 is high and I have 1.2. It's, it's very tightly, it's very tightly controlled. So reference ranges are, are sometimes problematic. I'm not super okay. worried about this number unless it's, it's elevated. So, got it. um, I'm going to speed through here and get to the good stuff. Yeah. Um, testosterone quick. Yeah. So liver function is this chunk here, protein down to bilirubin. Your liver looks fine. 
Um, here's, here's two ones that a lot of people don't get on a traditional panel, which you should ask for, which is CRP and hemoglobin A1C. So CRP and hemoglobin A1C, this is kind of like your acute inflammation response. And this is longer term around three months on average and associated with diabetes risk. Mm. So if you want to live a long and healthy life, keeping your inflammation levels as low as possible, not gone because we need inflammation. That's how our immune system and, and cells communicate. But keeping these numbers as low as possible will increase your opportunity for living a long, healthy, disease-free life, specifically A1C. So A1C is associated with your risk for diabetes. So a hemoglobin A1C of 5.7 is considered pre-diabetic. And a lot of people, especially I'm seeing in their 30s and 40s, are sitting around like 5'5 five, five or 5'6 five, because they're not exercising, diet's poor, they're drinking too much alcohol. Um, and like they know like, yeah, I'm carrying a little extra weight. But it's not until they look and see like, hey, I'm actually pretty close to being pre-diabetic. Yeah. Um, that, that sometimes is a, is a large enough shocker for people to like really change their lifestyle. Because not only do you not want to tell your friends you're pre-diabetic, but also from like, you know, long-term risk of disease <clears throat> development, life insurance. Like if you're pre-diabetic, your life insurance costs more because they know you're probably going to have more illness, more medication. Uh, so we really want to see a hemoglobin A1C of 5.1 roughly or below if possible. So you're in a great spot there. And a CRP, which is your acute uh, inflammation, like over the last 24, 48 hours, how much inflammation has been present in your system. We want this to be less than 1.0. So everything's good in terms of inflammation for you. Let's get down to the hormones, which, uh, so here, here's an interesting discussion. So your thyroid function, which controls everything that has to do with metabolism. So energy, hair quality, skin quality, nail quality, anything that has to do with metabolism is coming from your thyroid. Mm -hmm. Uh, your thyroid looks good for me. I try to keep people's TSH around 2.3 or less. TSH is thyroid stimulating hormones. This is coming from your brain and telling your thyroid to do what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. So your thyroid function looks pretty good. A lot of women are starting to have thyroid issues because of the exposure to a lot of synthetic ingredients, you know, components in our processed foods, wow. um, uh, endocrine disrupting uh, compounds that they are, you know, for whatever reason, are, are exposed to in more volume than, than men. Um, and it's causing sluggish thyroid. Maybe like makeups and things like that. Makeup. Yeah, makeups, yeah. beauty products, lotions. Wow. Like, like if you walk into Bath and Body Works, you're just like, man, this place smells like chemicals. But think about how many people rubbed that stuff on them for years. And yep. like, you know, sprayed all their sprays. Like, we didn't do ourselves any services thinking about like, okay, it doesn't cause us cancer like in the next six to twelve months. But what is this going to do to us when we're exposing ourselves for three, five, 10 years in a row. Well, we're now finding there's a lot of endocrine disrupting compounds yeah. that are not natural and they're impacting us. And a lot of it's thyroid function. And if your thyroid becomes sluggish, meaning your TSH level is going up, you know, around 2.3 and above, <clears throat> you know, weight loss may become more difficult. Your hair may get a little bit more thin and sometimes fall out. Yeah. Um, so all these things are, Again, like women are just like, ah, like I'm just getting older or, you know, my metabolism slowing down. Nonsense. You should be able to be fit and moving until you're 85 or 90. Yeah. Uh, we just, we don't look at some of these metrics like we should uh, more than maybe once a year, if that. And 
a lot of these things live under the surface. Like you're not dying, like you're not acutely ill, but you're definitely not thriving. And that's why we try to do at least with Monarch blood work every three to six months. So we can pay attention to what's going on beneath the surface. Yeah. So here's going to be an interesting discussion and it's going to be divisive um, (laughs) for your listeners, your cholesterol profile, right? Yeah. So if you went to a traditional practitioner, no fault of their own, because these are the guidelines in medicine, cholesterol of 276, you'd be on a statin the second you leave the office. Um. Here's where I come in. So I look at this because I know what you're eating in terms of high quality meats, healthy fats, veggies, things like that. Part of this is what you're eating. Part of this is genetics. I look at this and say, all right, your cholesterol, yeah, it's definitely high. For a lot of people, that's a scary number, but it's less than 300. Your HDL, which is the cardioprotective anti-inflammatory um, quote unquote, good cholesterol for men. We want that greater than 40 as high as possible is 66, which is great. I mean, your LDL level, which is the precursor to HDL, you can't have one without the other is definitely, you know, high, like less than 200 is kind of like my limit and you're closely approaching it. So would I love to see slightly lower cholesterol metrics? Sure. Would I like to see lower LDL, higher HDL? Sure. But if you look down at your cardiovascular disease risk ratio, which is a rough calculation of your total cholesterol divided by your HDL, it's not terrible. Like it's close to the low range of what's considered reasonable. And in the absence of inflammation, two main markers for you are both an optimal range. Like this doesn't really, it's, it's something I would monitor with you and just, you know, kind of pay attention to the you know, the volume of, you know, animal-based products and, and, you know, making sure that you're really not consuming too many trans fats or unhealthy fats. Yep. But like for you, I probably wouldn't do anything right now and just kind of watch and see how you're doing. Well, I I will say that um, in the last week I've stopped drinking Bulletproof in the morning because I used to put like butter and MCT in in coffee and um, because I'm trying something different, I'm working out earlier in the day. I wanted to keep my fats yeah. not around my exercise just due to the fact that I'm working with a sports mm-hmm. dietitian who's encouraging me to eat more carbohydrate pre-training, intra-training, mm-hmm. and post, yeah. and making sure my fat is really low around that time just so you can digest all of those carbohydrates. That's my understanding of it anyway. Sure. But I, because I saw those numbers, because I saw these numbers, you sent them to me, I, which of which I didn't understand. I was like, okay, well, I feel like I can cut that out and I won't miss it and I won't feel like I'm low energy. I always feel like I've got plenty of energy anyway. Um, and that sure. I just feel like may have an effect on it. I think it's pretty un, like it's like a tablespoon of butter first thing in the morning. It's a lot of fat. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of fat. And again, like, you know, you, there's people that are like carnivore diet, like super, super high fat that I think, you know, have some reasonable points in terms of where are you from, what is, what's your genetic profile, like, mm-hmm. you know, can you tolerate higher fats versus people that may come from more of like an equatorial region where there just probably wasn't that much fat available, they're doing more fruits and vegetables. I think there's arguments for, for both sides. Um, but yeah, this is definitely something I'm like, uh, we don't have a lot of wiggle room here, so if we can make some dietary adjustments, that'd probably be helpful, Yeah, which it seems like you're going to do, which is great. Um, and, and so what, what are ways that we can do that? 
I wanted to ask what what are ways that I can do that? Because I already know, all right, so cut back on the bulletproof. But for instance, would you eat like some leaner cuts of meat, like integrate more lean cuts of meat into yeah. more high fibrous vegetables? Yeah, absolutely. High fiber vegetables, leaner cuts of meat, perhaps shifting more towards like um, wild caught uh, fatty fish like salmon and things like that. Yep. Um, you know, for some people, if they're really struggling using supplements like red rice, yeast extract is pretty good in terms of helping bring down uh, cholesterol levels and boost uh, healthy cholesterol levels, niacin. Yep. Uh, which is one of the B vitamins, like all those things are, are reasonable, but I like to, to say common things are common. So like for you, if you're doing bulletproof every morning, like that seems like a no brainer, like let's cut back on that if you don't need it and see how your body responds. Like that may be all that you have to do versus adding too many new variables into the equation with diet and you know supplementation. Like let's just get the simple things corrected and then we should go from there. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Let's move on. Was it vitamin D you were going to next? Uh, vitamin D. So vitamin D is not actually a vitamin. It's more of a hormone. So it controls circadian rhythm, uh, help, helps improve mood, helps reduce inflammation. A lot of people with low vitamin D levels, they, we see that in the presence of inflammation because we know that vitamin D helps basically bind inflammatory proteins and, and uh, remove them from the system. But especially in the COVID period, we've learned people that did well during you know, the last two years and if they got sick or if they maintained a high level of health, tended to have higher vitamin D levels. So we saw countries around the world uh, encouraging and even providing supplementation of vitamin D for their uh, constituents. Mm -hmm. We know vitamin D helps maintain healthy bone metabolism, things like that. The easiest way to get vitamin D, literally just go outside, which not a lot of people do. And, and even, even when we do, <clears throat> we don't spend enough time outside. But the other thing that people don't understand is Vitamin D helps stimulate natural melatonin production, right? So think about if you've been outside all day, most people sleep pretty well, they get tired towards the end of the day. That's because the vitamin D, once it gets into our system, travels through the bloodstream to the brain, which helps with the production of melatonin. So as the sun is going down, your melatonin levels are going up and your vitamin D levels are going down, you sleep well, and then the things reverse the following day which you should go back outside. So if you're having trouble sleeping, anxiety, insomnia, things like that, you may want to think about uh, just getting outside. We're making sure your vitamin D is is at a healthy level because uh, that can be super important. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, I do a lot of, um, you know, ferritin is, is another metric for a uh, storage form of iron. Um, I, I added a couple different uh, vitamins that I tend to look at. So IGF is growth hormone. This one, you know, people are doing it the half-life of this in your blood is pretty short. So unless you're doing it like right before you go to bed or right after you get up, may or may not have a lot of, of application in a, in a lab test. Uh, B12 is an important cofactor in red blood cell production as well as energy. Folic acid is, is folate. So basically, are you getting enough green leafy vegetables in your diet? Uh, magnesium is kind of the, the counter part to calcium. So calcium causes contraction. And, it, and if uh, you don't have enough magnesium, they're, they're supposed to balance one another out. If you get too much calcium, which a lot of people do, because we grew up in a, in a time when calcium built, built strong bones, it was always calcium, calcium, calcium. We forgot about, well, we need magnesium to balance those things out. And calcium can cause anxiety, can cause irritability. Magnesium is very calming. 
if you're constipated, you take magnesium because it helps relax your bowels. Mm-hmm. Women, when they're giving birth, they get a ton of magnesium because, again, it helps relax the constricted, contracted uterine tissue. So magnesium, think of it as calming. You can take it during the day. If you're having anxiety, you can take it at night if you're struggling with sleep to help calm you down. Uh, but your levels are fine. You wanted to get to your testosterone levels, which we will talk about. So here's the thing about reference ranges. So let's just jump ahead. So a reference range basically says, you know, a lab is going to take 100 men around your age and it's going to test their, their testosterone levels and it's going to create a curve and say, all right, 97% of people fall within this range. This is our new reference range. Well, as the population becomes unhealthy, less and less healthy, which is happening, the reference ranges tend to shift because, you know, what's present in the population is also tending to shift. So what we've seen with hormone production, especially testosterone, is reference ranges are decreasing over the last few decades. Does that mean we are producing less testosterone? Yes. Do we need less testosterone? Absolutely not. Like, we should be producing. So for a gentleman of your age, and we're the same age, 35, like 800 to 1,000 is totally reasonable. Like that's where we should be. But if you look at your levels, technically you would be super therapeutic, like above, quote unquote, the reference range. So, you know, the question is like, are you taking a supplement? Uh, and I know you're not. So like this is healthy. Like this is what people should strive for. So this is good. Does that make sense? Yeah, so my my overall testosterone levels are good. Correct. Yeah. What is what is you know the one area that we can work on is this thing called sex hormone binding globulin. Mm-hmm. Um, so sex hormone binding globulin comes from the liver, and basically its role is like think about it like if you were on a field trip, you have like your field trip buddy. Like it's someone that travel with you to make sure that you don't get lost. Mm-hmm. That's basically what sex hormone binding globulin does. It binds the testosterone and shuttles it around your, your system until it needs to be used. And then it breaks off and just gets repurposed. Got it. But people that overtrain are overweight, drink too much alcohol, have overactive thyroid, um, a couple other conditions. Um, they don't eat enough calories. So basically overtraining, under eating. The body basically overproduces sex hormone binding globulin. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, because it's essentially trying to slow you down, it's essentially trying to protect you, especially in the case of overtraining, under eating. So if you look at your SHBG levels, they're slightly elevated, which means even though you have, oh, I keep doing that, even though you have healthy testosterone levels, if you look down at your free testosterone level, um, you know, it's slightly low, which is telling me, you know, you're probably not accessing well the testosterone you have, right? Mm -hmm. Is this, because again, you know, like with a lab test, you also have to appreciate like it's one moment in time. So like, what did your body need at that exact moment? It's easier to trend things over time to see how you're doing before you make too many decisions. Yep. But, you know, this is something to think about in terms of like, okay, like, are you, Overtraining, under eating, you're definitely not obese. Are you drinking too much alcohol? Is your thyroid off? Well, we already looked at that. Your thyroid's fine. And I don't think you're drinking too much alcohol unless something's changed, which you can tell me about. Um, so I think for you, you know, this would be something where I'd say, hey, like, yeah, work with your nutritionist to make sure you're getting 
enough calories based on your active lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So we can see what happens in three months here. Um, and then, you know, also zinc. Zinc is a great supplement that we, it's an essential mineral that we need that we don't get as much of anymore because it's not as present in our soil, secondary to our agricultural practices. And we know zinc decreases um, SHBG, which then can increase, you know, potentially your free testosterone level. Yep. <clears throat> and the other thing that I wanted to bring up here is so i work with um a physician named dr mark gordon so i trained trained under him uh recently and he he basically has worked with the department of defense he's been on joe rogan a couple times his whole premise is neuroendocrinology and improving inflammation both in the body and in the mind to help reduce the symptoms excuse me of anxiety depression ptsd traumatic brain injury and he's been super successful, thousands of patients, military veterans and otherwise that have that have clawed back from like deep depression, anxiety and things like that, purely by correcting their physiology and metabolism. And so he has a he has like a machine learning uh, program where you can put someone's lab data in. And so I plugged yours in. Oh, so you can see I sent this to you, too. Um, so you can see like where your ranges are in terms of your hormones, your you know, IGF, DHEA, which is a precursor to testosterone, mm-hmm. SHBG, estrogen, vitamin D, cortisol, put all these things in. So you can see like, again, the range is, um, it's more than just, are you in the range or are you out of the range? And so like his program elucidates, are these things normal, high, normal, low, normal, high, out of range, provides some commentary, which again, like shouldn't just be, you take this as, as word, like, this is where physician interpretation is helpful. And then, oh, excuse me, it's able to provide you with some things to consider. Okay, you know, DHEA is a precursor to testosterone. It also helps with adrenal support. Would this be beneficial to help increase your free testosterone levels? <laughs> you know, trace minerals, the zinc that I talked about to help decrease SHBG to improve testosterone levels. You know, your vitamin D levels were pretty good. Could they, you know, I like to see people around like 70 or 80 if possible. So all things to consider. But it's nice that at least for practitioners who are not super familiar with uh, hormones because it's, you know, they they didn't train in endocrinology and they spend their time elsewhere. It's an interesting tool that has a lot of, uh, you know, uh, evidence and support based on, you know, thousands and thousands of patients and years and years of you know, tinkering from Dr. Gordon's side. So these are all things that, you know, I like to work with with my patients to kind of provide a, a more well-rounded, uh, understanding of their lab data. So, you know, to kind of summarize for you, all things considered, you know, you're, you're pretty healthy. Like the one area that I, I would really pay attention to is your cholesterol levels, just because again, like not super scary, but uh, it'd be interested to see what happens with dietary modification because I know you and I know that your lifestyle is is very on point in terms of exercise, sleep, hydration, what you're putting into your body. So not super concerning yet, but you know definitely something to pay attention to. So yeah, it's it's actually kind of exciting to have to shift something. Yeah. So that is kind of how often should the uh, thanks so much for that. How often should the average person be going to their doctor and getting blood work done? Personally. I think in order for anything to change, 
One, you need to identify it, which is where the lab work is helpful. You need to correct it. Um, and then you need to maintain the correction for usually 12 weeks to really see s- sustainable long-term change. So yep. anything sooner than three months is probably unnecessary unless you're looking for a specific response to a supplement or a medication. Yeah. Then maybe checking in a month after you start taking something is helpful. But for the most part, every three to six months is is reasonable just to kind of like check and make sure that things are either progressing how you want them to or not. For instance, say you were pre-diabetic and I was like, hey, man, I need you to change your diet and exercise more. Here's what we're going to do. Well, if I don't check your physiologic response, like your A1C for six months, I'm just like, hey, come back and see me in six months. I have no idea what you're doing for that six months. And what if it's something that we could see like, yeah, whatever you're doing isn't quite working. Let's intervene on that at a three-month interval versus wasting half a year of you doing something before we figure out it's not working, right? Yeah. Because that's where people get frustrated is like, shit, I just wasted a half a year, you know, and then then they lose faith in the system. So I like to be like every, I like to, to work with people every three to six months just to check in. Yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. Um, let's, we're going to play a game now that I came up with uh, when I was writing my questions for you. It's called Zaddy Quick. And you've got to say it like that. You don't have to say it, but I'm just saying like, it's not Zaddy Quick. It's Zaddy Quick. Anyway, I'm going to say something to you. Can I, can I do Can I do something here? Because I, I think this is one of your funniest things that you've done. Oh, and okay. I say it all the time. Yeah. Uncut jobs. <laughs> you're, you're welcome to, you're welcome to uh, say uncut jobs whenever you want to. But listen, I'm going to. I just want to be someone's muse. I just want to be someone's <laughs> muse and uncut jobs. Well, in many ways, I'm your, your, are you my, you're, you're my muse. You're my health muse. We're each other's muse. Wow, so true. So true, Queen. I wanted to um, play this game with you, and I'm going to say something, anything, um, um, uh, and I want you to answer as quickly as possible. Anything you want, like as quickly and succinctly as possible. Are you ready? Can I wet? Can I wet my whistle real quick? Yeah, do whatever you need to. Yeah, yeah. That's what we say in America: wet the whistle. Yeah. Um, Are you ready? Yeah. Oat milk. Why? Perineum sunning. Uh, pass. Gatorade. Canceled. Squatty potties. Beneficial. AirPods. Essential. Wow. Standing desks. Helpful. CBD. Mm. Sorry, Mike. That's my buddy who has a CBD company. I just, I think, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> You think it's on, it's on the way out, right? No one talks about it anymore. Uh, I think it's helpful. I think it's become a, uh, I think it's, it's been wildly adulterated and unfortunately people have taken advantage of what could have been like a really beneficial situation. So hopefully some people emerge from that field that are like super reputable, yep. efficacious, higher quality. And there are, and there are some companies like my buddy, Mike's company, soul CBD is great. Uh, mm-hmm. They do the work. They have high quality producers, but like you can get CBD anywhere now in gas stations. Like, is it actually CBD? What's the regulation like there? So yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think unfortunately it's just people took advantage of, of what could have been a really helpful situation, but Got exciting part of like the THC space, psychedelics, all that kind of stuff is there's a lot of stuff that's very helpful. That's soon going to be, you know, available medicinally that I think is going to, to take CBD and, and those things to the next level. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, massage guns. Love them. Me too. And lastly, 
plug a brand. Anal. Yes. You're a good man and a man after my own heart. I'm so glad that you're my doctor. Thanks, buddy. Listen, while we, while uh, we have glad, some time. Uh, here, here's the crazy part, right? Okay. Can we just can we take a step back? Sure. You were from 6,000 miles away. The yeah. fact that we ended up in Santa Monica at the same time, I went into training, mate. We looked at each other. We said that we would just become best friends. Yes. And like now we've traveled this this journey together and we're sitting here like, it's amazing. Like, it how is can amazing. we not be grateful? It is right? amazing. I, I'm, I'm everlastingly grateful that we became friends and you became my doctor. You may end up saving my life. I literally went into medicine because I said, I need to create a space for you in the acting world. And if I'm in there too, you will get no work. And I can't sleep if I, if I know I took your job. Well, and that's interesting because you can't, you can't sleep right now, but I feel like with my, I think if you lower my cholesterol, I might getting, I might start getting roles like better roles. Yeah. I want you to be a series reg, not just yeah. recurring. Well, you know, this is what the casting director said to me. The, the other, they were like, we love you, Luke, but the sex hormone binding globulin is just far too high. Yeah. Yeah. And you were sitting on a black leather couch with like a white, white, and then they're just like, all right, what's up? <laughs> I, 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 we have some time. So let me ask you some questions. Um, are you single? Uh, Ooh, I prefer to keep my personal, I prefer to keep my personal life, uh, personal, personal. So yeah, yeah I, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it off air then. I, yeah, sure. Okay. I, uh, uh, to be, here, here's how I'll answer the question. Um, I spend time with someone that I care about, uh, because the way that we, like my life is right now, mm. building a relationship is not a, is not a high priority. Like it's just not, Got it. um, so, you know, uh, I've been, you, I mean, you've, you've known women that I've dated in the past and like what the, the variable that was, wasn't working was me because I just, I wasn't fully in, I wasn't fully committed. Mm. And so I've basically learned like, Hey, until I have time to like really commit to this relationship, um, you know, my baby is monarch. It's their body. It's everything that I'm doing. Yep. Uh, so that's where I'm pouring all my time, effort and energy. So like, trying to commit to a relationship right now, I would be doing the other person a disservice and I would rather not get into something that I, I'm probably going to disappoint you. So I just. I, I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people will appreciate that being honest from the get go, as you enter a relationship, any type of relationship, but particularly romantic or romantic esque, it's so good to just be upfront from the get go and say what you want. Yeah. I don't have time for like, you know, dating like apps, just like fruitless conversation. Yeah. Um, I don't, but again, like, I don't know what's going to happen. So like, I just kind of take it day by day and I really just try to go with my gut and be like, is this something or someone that I want to spend time with because they are helping me elevate who I am, my, you know, my energy. Great. Then I'll do it. And if not, thanks. But like, I, I need to focus my, my time elsewhere, energy elsewhere. So that's kind of how I approach it. And it's interesting that you didn't mention, like, do I elevate you? Your assumption is that you do elevate them because you do, correct? Damn. I try to, I guess. No, but yeah. I bet it would be edifying to hang out with a person like you all the time because you do I have, don't know. You know a lot. I can, and- I can be, I can be, uh, I can be stressful. I think. Can you? In what, in what way? Um, I have such limited time 
for myself, which is something I'm also working on. I really like to do what I want to do when I have time to do it. So like right. my Sundays are sacred. Like I'm going to work out. I'm going to go to creation on Montana. If any of y'all live in Santa Monica, I'm going to go to the beach or play tennis. I'm going to take a nap and then I'm probably going to order burger lounge. They have the best plant-based burger I've had in a minute, gluten-free bun. Yeah. And then probably go to bed. And like, if, if what you want to do doesn't fit into that like little box, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a working man here, ladies. You can't get in his way, but you can, you can attach yourself to him and, and make his life better, but be very careful of getting in the way of his Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I also go to re have you been, have you, have I taken you to reset? We got to go in, in by everybody. Yeah, we got a cryo, double massage gun. Oh, I want to do that. Uh, well, because you know what air. I do have from Therabody is I have the, the, the pants. Oh, yeah, the recovery air. They're amazing. Like and they just came out with jet boots that have no cords, so you don't have to plug things in. Amazing. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'd, I'd, I'd like them to be stronger, but I think that that could, be, that could end in trouble for them, couldn't it? Sure. I have to get you Theraface. Have you seen that they came out with a device that's basically like it's an eight-in-one, so it's got percussion for the face. It's got uh microcurrent hot cold uh cleansing it's amazing are you saying that you want to get it for me because you think i need it like what's going on whatever will help you get the roles i think you deserve so okay yeah once i drop my cholesterol and reduce my sex hormone binding globulin and get the therabody facial thing i think i will i think i'll get sure we're gonna get you on you know uh hallmark channel like, listen, people out there, wouldn't you love to have conversations like this with your doctor? You know why you don't? Because they're not funny, they're undertrained, and you just wouldn't hang out with them. With this one, you would <laughs> hang out with them, but you can't on Sundays. He's busy. Now, not listen, Dr. Ryan Green, how do we find you um, on social media, yeah. et cetera? Yeah, so uh, at Dr. Dr. underscore green with an E at the end, underscore D-O. Uh, and then Monarch is at Monarch Clubs. Uh, and our website's www.monarchclubs.com. So I'm pretty responsive. If you have any questions health-related, it's, it's amazing what we can do with telemedicine these days. So feel free to reach out with anything. Um, yeah. He's awesome. I highly recommend reaching out, saying good day. Give him a follow on Instagram and check out Monarch and Therabody. Bro. Both of them sensational. Side note, where are my 5K balloons? What the hell? Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just that, it's, I, it's just that I don't care. <laughs> Dr. Ryan Green just had 5,000 followers on Instagram, and I'm super proud of him, but I also don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't take my shirt off on Instagram it's like some of us, so that's probably how he got to a million. So Honestly, I I'm not at a million anymore because I, I, I think it, like the body's just not good enough. It's like no. falls. It's terrible. But anyway, listen, you are the best doctor there is. I'm very grateful for you. Thanks for being on the Zaddy Zone. Thanks for having me. You're the man.